All right, and we are back two weeks in a row. We did it. We have, we're back in the flow of things. My name is Bo Allen. My name is Jacob Rodier, and movies are back. Movies are back as well. Uh, CinemaCon has been going on in Las Vegas. This is, this is the last year we're not going to CinemaCon in Vegas, and I'm determined to find a way there next year. <laughs> I mean, it's my two favorite things, blackjack and movies. It sounds like an amazing event. Um, so I just wanted to kick this off with I, I am the biggest proponent of the Sony Spider universe. I think both Venom movies are masterpieces. And Morbius is not, not, it's not good, but it doesn't actively offend me. Um, I, I have been offended by Sony. I feel personally attacked. They have greenlit a movie about a character named El Muerto starring Bad Bunny. If you do not know who El Muerto is, that's okay. Because I didn't even know who he is. Or Bad Bunny. And I, <laughs> what? Or Bad Bunny? Yeah. Well, okay, Bad Bunny is actually one of the biggest stars on the planet right now. Is he so really? Like, I, are you kidding? He's huge. I did not know that. Oh, my God. He's, like, doing a stadium tour, I think. Oh, wow. Okay. And, oh, he is massive. Um, But uh, El Muerto is a character who is this, like, Hispanic, I think, Mexican wrestler. And he... He's like a luchador, has a, he has a mask that's been like passed down through his family, but it's also got powers or is cursed or something. But he has only been in two comic books, two Spider-Man comic books, singular comic books that are like 24 pages long. I don't know where they're going to get the material for this. It's a bad play. Well, to counterpoint, what I, like, I'm happy with a, like a non- a character that hasn't been talked about at all versus like another Spider-Man or another Venom or whatever. Well, here's the thing. Uh, another Spider-Man would be interesting. What if we did a, if you wanted to go like a if you wanted bad well, I don't want Bad Bunny to play this character, but I mean if you want to do like a like get like Hispanic representation in this like in your little Sony Marvel not Marvel world but Spider-Man world, why don't you do a Miguel O'Hara story? you know spider-man 2099 sure i mean i don't know my marvel comics like you do but um i don't know i don't mind them doing like a small character like this yeah i don't know what they're gonna do for content but it is cool that they're just taking like this small minor character and (coughs) blowing it up you are doing the ultimate zag right now you're the first person who i've heard say this is this is cool because there's so the thing about spider-man and he is he has so many cool villains and and side characters and alternate versions and they're not touching any of them it's sad morbius now i will say this morbius was a good idea i stand by that actually morbius is a really really cool character and could have been done very well i don't blame jared leto i don't blame matt smith i think they gave it their all i think it was just too much studio shit like it like it always is with the sony stuff but you know it's just hurts me i'm not saying it's cool but i don't mind i'll stick around um all right more CinemaCon stuff um well hang on oh this is last year's oh my god i thought i stepped into like a pocket dimension i I was going through the high like the website like i was looking online just to make sure we didn't miss anything uh and accidentally 
almost misread a Matrix headline. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, are we getting the fifth one? Um, we got a Flash trailer. I didn't know this movie was finished. This is another one that I've been waiting for for a very long time because I was a big fan of Ezra Miller's Flash uh, when we were first introduced to the character. And uh, I used to be a, a pretty big Ezra Miller guy. I liked Ezra Miller. I think and, this uh, is uh, turning into the new Mutants movie. Well, here's the thing is, like, so many people are signed on in this movie, like, playing big roles. Michael Keaton was a mainstay, like, a big part of the trailer last night. Like, he... The trailer ended with him saying, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Which he says to the Joker in the... In the in the first movie, the first in the first Batman, and it, I mean I haven't seen it, but that's what the, all the reports say. Michael Shannon is coming back to play Zod. Like this is a they've poured some money in this. I don't think they're going to give it the New Mutants treatment. Yeah, I mean I'm just saying in terms of getting delayed, it's over and over and over again. It seems to be going through production over and over again. They just keep on filming, refilming, reshooting. Um, but this time it seems to be more of Ezra's fault than the story. So here's what I'm wondering is it seems like it's finished. It it, it feel it by now it seems like it should be finished. Uh they've got enough to put a pretty comprehensive trailer out. Apparently Michael Keaton's done and stuff. I I, I don't know if they've gone back and done like, you know, like the necessary reshoots that always happen and the dubs and stuff. Well, how much is Ezra's PR stuff holding them back is what I'm wondering. So, yeah. So there's two things. One, I think we talked about this before, but I think Spider-Man definitely threw them for a loop and they definitely reshot stuff after that. Um, right. They just had to because I'm sure they were super similar or they just had to change their process because of how successful that movie was. Like it just is bound to happen. Um, so I feel like that has something to do with it. And yeah, I also think Ezra just going on like a, a rampage right now is just not helping at all. So weird. Um, the studio, like he, Ezra, it feels like the, their deal with, um, Warner brothers. They like Ezra's in, he's doing like almost nothing but Warner brothers movies right now. And it kind of feels like back when actors used to sign on deals with studios, you know, like, WB needs to get get him some help. Get them some help. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, the stuff he's doing is not okay, and the fact that he just keeps doing it is definitely a cry for help, and someone needs to do something about it. I'm sure they're probably trying to do something behind the scenes besides just hide it from the public, but... Right. Yeah, like, Ezra's not okay, as we can all see. Ezra's clearly not okay. Um, but the fact that all this is happening... And now he's about a star in this like big Flash movie. I don't know. It, it's it's very tough for Warner Brothers what to do next. And well, I mean, we've lost some momentum on the Flash as a character, but he was very very popular at one point in time not too long ago when the show was actually doing well. Mm -hmm. I think the especially after the Snyder cut, but I think even still, you know, uh, Ezra's Barry was kind of popular. I mean, they did not they did not do a good job in the Joss Whedon version. Uh, but it was clear that Ezra still had the likability part of Barry down, even though a lot of the other stuff was not consistent to how he's usually written or portrayed. But this is the first like big Flash movie that is not animated. And even then, there's really only one animated uh, 
adaption of his. Like he's a the the Flash is a pretty popular character in terms of DC Comics, and he has not been fully taken, I think, advantage of. I think there's very cool stories that they could be doing, and I think they were planning on doing a few more. I I feel like they should be getting Ezra help just like to protect their investment at this point, right? Yeah, like when- not even like. It, 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 they don't even have to care about the person. I I think they would. I figured they would do it for the money right now. By now, like one hundred percent, because it seems like this movie is going to kickstart a bunch of other movies with the Flash in it too. Right. Um, it's very strange. So yeah, I think they're just kind of in like uh, this weird predicament right now where they don't know what to do with their main actor just flying off the walls. And this movie's just been in development hell with all these other multiverse movies coming out, and they're just trying to figure something out. Just again and again, DC just always gets screwed with everything. They're always like a couple years behind. Um, and then just more a, a couple more stuff uh, from WB here. We've got the Aquaman 2 trailer. Uh, of course, that's going to be very controversial when it comes out with the Amber Heard stuff. But apparently she's like not in much of the movie, which is fine by me. I'm sure they're going to cut her out now. Not fully out, but as minimal as possible. No. Like, the word is, like, they've already done it. Like, it's finished, and, like, she's not in much of it. That's good. Um, I'm excited for that movie. I love the Aquaman stuff, but I've had this. I've done this soapbox here before. I don't need to do it again. I would have gone to see this movie over Avatar. <laughs> uh, and then we got, I think, uh, I believe what the first uh, first look at Black Adam was uh, at CinemaCon. And uh, apparently Dwayne's looking good in the suit. I think he's... A good fit for that. Hopefully, he nails it. I like Black Black Adam's kind of cool. I think it's a he's not one that not not many people know about, but is interesting. The thing with The Rock is that he plays The Rock in everything, and with this right. movie, I I just don't know how I'm not just gonna see The Rock the whole time as a superhero instead of this Black Adam character. Well, I think it helps that Black Adam is pretty much a god, and. <laughs> At this point, that might be what The Rock is. <laughs> like, yeah, but I think I'm still just gonna see The Rock the whole time. I just hope that he like the 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 crew pushes him uh, outside of his comfort zone with this one, and he does something a little different. I don't think he's gonna be doing the jokes as much in this one. I don't think it's gonna be as jokey as he likes it to be. But I forgot to mention. I think I just kind of breezed past this and jumped right into the Flash stuff. Um, the Batman Two was officially announced. Matt Reeves coming back, Robert Pattinson coming back. I am fucking excited. I really, really hope Greg Frazier comes back. Well, I th- I think that I think I think he will. We'll see. He's a busy I've, man. It's it seems like they're getting the band back together. Um, if we were to there's there's no news at all on when this will get start getting produced, but I'd imagine they'd want to push this out within two to three years, right? Like yeah, definitely. It's their most talked about movie in a while. But, I mean, Pattinson might be, you know, he could be in, like, a jungle somewhere shooting a movie with (laughs) maybe doing another Robert Eggers film where he's off in the middle of nowhere, you know, on some tiny island in the Pacific. No, I'm sure the money is going to keep him nice and close. Right. I I also think it seems like he kind of enjoyed... It looked like, I, I mean, and then again, he is an actor. It looked like he was kind of enjoying being doing press for, like, a big budget picture again. Like, it's, I think also the tone of it 
being different and he's also come back into the good graces of the uh, public since Twilight, you know, I think that kind of fucked him up for a little while, but now he's super, super popular. So, yeah, no, I'm sure he'll, he'll be back. Obviously he'll be back for this one and it'll be good. We'll see what happens. Um, all right. And then moving on to different news, uh, Olivia Wilde was talking about her new movie last night. Um, like this literally happened like last night and uh what's the movie called uh don't worry darling mm-hmm. and it's the florence Pugh harry styles movie uh that a lot of people are excited for i was pretty excited for it i th- I, was, I still am pretty excited for it i like olivia wilde as a director uh i think harry styles is a fine actor and i love florence Pugh. and um you know it sounds like an interesting plot but it is not as interesting as the drama that this movie has created, um, you know, it ca- it's what's pointed to is the cause for the split of Jason Sudeikis and Olivia Wilde, who have two kids together, and now Olivia is dating Harry. And uh, <laughs> and last night, while she was talking about the movie on stage at CinemaCon, somebody came up with a Manila envelope, a Manila. Uh, you know, one of the sealed little manila envelopes and she walks up, slides it on the stage and she goes, is this for me? She opens it, reads it, puts it back, keeps talking about the movie and we find out later it was served on stage like a custody suit from Jason Sudeikis for the kids. Incredible. Incredible move. ah, Just crazy. I love it. I love it. If you're gonna, if you're of... gonna get back at your wife for like cheating on you and leaving you, that's the way to do it. Fiance, fiance. They were never married. Fiance. Sorry, sorry, um, sorry. Yeah, man. On stage and like you know, a pretty big moment for her is a pretty brutal <laughs> way to do it. Um, I love but it. But then like, it also like how lax is the is the CinemaCon security that this guy could just walk up to the stage? That's also very true. I like. There's no way that he was like. Oh yeah, I'm here to serve Olivia Wilde papers, and they were just like, "Okay, you can go up to the front." He definitely bought a pass to get it. Like they, the thinking is that since like the person serving them tells, like, kind of runs the whole thing, the person who's doing like the serving or whatever, like Jason Sudeikis had to tell that guy, "Go to CinemaCon, give it to her. I'll buy your pass." Pretty much. Yeah, I'm also sure Sudeikis probably has connections in that world, and maybe he got in that way. That's insane. But, yeah, that's an incredible move. I honestly like that way more than the slap <laughs> from the Oscars. It's a, it's a lot. It's a, it's definitely, I think it's more interesting. Yeah, very. Uh, was this um, recorded? Was there, like, a video of this? I don't think so. I don't think there's a lot of footage from CinemaCon. I don't think there's... Yeah, they keep it pretty tight. Um, but that would have been amazing will, just to see her reaction to reading it. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's no, the, in a quick Google, I've not found anything, but that's fucking hilarious. Um, all right. And then we got more looks at Av- the new Avatar movie, which is, they made it very clear. It's not Avatar 2. It is Avatar the Way of the Water. Let's go. You can be as happy about this as you want to be i'm not gonna celebrate with you no this the time has finally come we are we are finally kickstarting the marketing for avatar 2 it is coming this year no more delays uh yeah the trailer premiered everyone's hyping it up but i hype everything up um 
yeah, the trailer is going to be premiering before Doctor Strange. So I immediately bought my ticket once I heard that news. Um, and I am super excited. Um, it's going to be good. It hurts me to watch the slow death of Jim Cameron as he goes out. It's not the death. Screaming into the night. It's the rise. He's going out. Scre- the rise. The rise. <laughs> the, the rise of James Cameron. He's going out screaming coming. into the night. Avatar was a good movie. I'll make four more to prove it to you. And they're all going to make billions and billions of dollars. Mm, it hurts me. So, speaking of something that's going to make billions of dollars, we got to look at uh, Margot Robbie as Barbie. Hey, that's hype. I'm excited about it. I mean, yeah, the picture wasn't much. It was the picture of Margot Robbie, so. <laughs> that's very true. It was just a picture of Margot Robbie. Like her hair was done a little nicer than usual, but that's about it. And she was surrounded in pink. Yeah. But here's the thing, like. I th- I like the cast that they've put together for it. Um, I don't know what route it's going to go. I'm sure it's not going to be, like, literally, like, it's not going to be, like, a live-action version of, like, the fucking life we imagine the toys have. I imagine it's going to be a little bit more nuanced than that because Greta is a good director, you know? Yeah, I, I really have no idea what they're they're going to do with this movie. I have a feeling they're going to, like, it's going to be where they're going to try to keep it like surface layer in the beginning. And then it's going to get like super deep, super fast. Yeah. Um, yeah. It could be one of those movies where they, they keep it lighthearted, but there's a super dark undertone the whole time. I don't know. Knowing Greta and, um, Noah Bomback, their depressing past of writing movies. Um, there's definitely going to be some darkness in this. I feel like also, I don't think Margot Robbie signs on if it's just like a basic, you know, watch barbie do all this rich shit you know i mean yeah i don't know what the process was but i'm pretty sure she just saw greta gerwig and barbie being the huge franchise that it is and signed on well here's a description i imagine it's uh not you know it's very cursory but it's a doll living in quote-unquote barbie land is expelled for not being perfect enough and sets off on an adventure in the real world, a live-action feature film based on the popular line of Barbie toys. So, yeah, it sounds like it's going to be exactly what we think it is. But it's got a great cast, man. Ryan Gosling, Margot Robbie, of course, Will Ferrell, Simu Lau, uh, America Ferreira, Kate McKinnon, Michael Cera, Issa Rae. I mean, we're, com- we're, we're killing it. It's a stacked cast, and it's going up against another stacked cast on the same day. Do you know what it is? No, I cannot. I cannot. These two movies are coming out on the same week for now, on the same weekend with two stacked casts. Oppenheimer. Oh yeah, I knew that. I knew that. I I completely forgot. One for yeah, the girls, one for the guys. I was about to say, it's somebody said on Twitter like it's like choosing the girl toy or the boy toy at McDonald's, and I was like, that's pretty accurate. Yeah, that's we'll go one for one. the ladies, one for the men. <sighs> I might. I might go see Barbie Day one. <laughs> Honestly, I'm, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. Greta, well, here's the thing. The only the only reason I say that is, I'm mo- I, ha- I I I have less of an idea of what Barbie is right. about. So, yeah. Which is sh- a shocking thing to say. I feel like. Yeah. You know, like yeah, Christopher Nolan's making a movie about a guy who built the atomic bomb, and 
every single movie star ever is in it, but also like, what the hell are they doing over there with this Barbie movie? Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. Um, but also, did you see a couple days ago they added another huge cast member to Oppenheimer? Yeah, Casey Affleck. Dude. They just oh, keep they've added coming. somebody since him. What's the next one? They've added um, uh, oh my god. I can't remember, but I did. I did see the Casey Affleck stuff, but which is insane because they've already started shooting and they're still adding people on. I feel like they're just shooting, and someone walks by in the set, and Nolan's just like, "Hey, hey come here, want to be in the shot?" And he just gets uh, all these I, huge people. Maybe Casey Affleck is the last person. That's the last um, one I saw. Um, but it, either way, it, yeah, the fact that these A-listers basically are getting added in um last minute during production is insane and i just i don't know what nolan's endgame is with this it's so weird it's, ins- it's, it's insane how many people are in this movie um it yeah he was found in a set photo mm-hmm. that that uh, the set photos uh have looked really interesting and also that the thing is nolan does do this a lot he adds like a surprise big a-lister that pops up in like the middle of the movie he tends to do that. So maybe that was Casey Affleck. Maybe there's more. We'll find out, I guess. Uh, does Matt Damon actually have gray hair now, or is he just doing dye jobs for these people? He definitely has gray, gray hair. Like this gray, though? Like no, it's really gray. Not obviously the movie he's wearing makeup, but he does have gray hair. I don't know. It's the same. It's kind of the same gray as uh, in that god awful Soddenheim movie he did who, who wait what what movie was that still water so, soderbergh the soderbergh movie oh. what was the soderbergh movie no sudden move yeah man that movie sucked <laughs> i hated it it's terrible that fish islands was awful um robert downey jr is looking very frail right now and it's very sad he is he is old officially like i guess he's been old for a while but like, did you see the Instagram video he posted and the set photos and stuff? He's like old man skinny. Yeah, I mean he's an old man, so. Well, it's that, and then also like you know, years of drugs will age you. He's only fifty-seven, but like he's showing it. Yeah. Either way, Barbie Oppenheimer double feature. I am in. Same day. Same day. It's a, hell of, it's a hell of a tone switch. Which one will you see first? I don't know. Do I want to be mind fucked and then watch a lighthearted Barbie movie? Or do I want to watch a lighthearted Barbie movie and then be mind fucked? I think you have to go Barbie first. Like I don't I think, think so you, too. I don't think your brain can function seeing Oppenheimer then Barbie. Yeah. No, I think I'll just be disoriented the whole time watching Barbie, so <laughs> It's not going to work. <laughs> what if it's just, what if it, the subversion, the expectations are subverted and like you cut, you walk out of Barbie, like fucking dazed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Barbie's going to be the entire, like, I think, um, Greta Gerwig and Nolan gr- are on like cahoots on this and they're like, all right, Barbie's going to be the huge mind fuck movie. going to mess with time in this and Oppenheimer just going right. to be very straightforward, lighthearted, <laughs> but a nuke movie. I mean, yeah, I'm all for it. Um, all right, let's move on a little bit right here. Uh, I saw Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. You have not seen this yet, right? I have not. Uh, so I think, so first of all, I'm going to preface it with this. It is not 
the greatest you know it's not the greatest character movie ever uh, i think i mean there's been other movies too where actors kind of where actors will play themselves and like contemplate their own careers in this way like this this has happened before it's probably not the best example of that but i think it might be one of the most interesting just because of the figure that nick cage is i think like my prediction is this is going to get a lot of like three stars two and a half star rating or three and a half star ratings i mean three three and a half and then like in a year it's gonna everybody's gonna be like oh this is definitely like a four star movie i think it was really really good and it'll come off surface level as more of a comedy than more introspective than it was if that makes sense yeah i mean i haven't seen it so well there's like i mean you know there in the have you seen the trailers for it? Or I have not. Are you ducking trailers? Okay. Well, then I won't give anything away from for you. But I did want to talk about Nick Cage. Uh, kind of, you know, he's as he is contemplating his career. I thought it would be good to contemplate his career as well. Um, I wanted to start off this off with like his career began because his uncle is um, Francis Ford Coppola. And I didn't know that actually until this morning, which is shocking because, you know, I'm FFC is my guy. You know, I, I've, <laughs> I love I love that guy. And I had no idea Nick Cage was related to him. His name was Nicholas Coppola. I had no idea. And he changed it to Cage after his first two or three movies. Mm-hmm. And then he ended up doing <laughs> movies, you know, with his with his uncle. So I don't know what the point of that was. But um <sighs> Do you what was the first movie you remember seeing him in? Probably National Treasure, if I had to it guess. It was one hundred percent National Treasure or Ghost Rider. Oh, Ghost Rider, wow. So yeah, man, like National Treasure I think is the first thing I saw him in too. Mm-hmm. And I you know, this is probably gonna eight, like show how I guess young we are actually, but he that's probably the first idea of like a movie star that I had. Like for some reason I just could tell that guy was a movie star, you know? Right. If that makes sense. Like people have that air about him. I think Tom Cruise is like the ultimate. I think he is probably the biggest of that, you know, has movie star energy, but Nicholas Cage has a decent amount, has a good amount of that too, which is really, makes it really interesting when he'll do national treasure, this huge, you know, big budget franchise Disney movie. And then, he does pig or he voices a hamster in g-force like what the fuck are we doing man no he he has a very 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 diverse career like he's almost hit like every category he's done the small indie movies he's done the big action blockbusters he's done the weird uh he's done the weird kids animated movies he's also done the weird wonky just i want to call them indie movies but just out there movies um He's been in the dramas. He's been in the actions, comedies. He's literally done like every genre. And I th- he's done rom he's done rom coms. Yeah. He's done straight up romances. He's done family movies. He like like movies about family. Like he is he has done every genre. Yeah, he has. And I think that's purposeful. I think that's what he kind of wanted to do with his career is just dip in every genre he can. So they talk about that a little bit uh, in Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, mostly like how he is always working and if you look at his imdb like it is it starts in 1981 uh really 1982 when he's fast times at ridgemont high and he is going two or three years two or three movies every single year 
two or three movies. 1989, he takes, he does one. 1991, he does one. But like besides that, two or three every year, maybe four if he's if he's feeling hot. And they talk about in the movie like at the very beginning, like he is obsessed with working, and they make it seem almost as if at this point it's like he's doing it for his like as a job he's like i see it as a job you know like you got to work to make money everybody does it why am i getting criticized for being in so many movies you know because that's that is a criticism of his a lot of people are like man you could be a huge movie star if you made less movies which is an insane sentence you know if you did if you worked less you'd be a bigger star uh i guess i i see where they're coming from but I don't know if that's it. I think it's just more of his persona. I think it's a I think it's a combination of his persona, his movie selection, right? And and I I do think him flooding the market is not always the best way to like think of, like you know Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Cruise they make a lot of movies, but they're also like. You know, it's not every single year. We're we're getting two Brad Pitt movies this year because Babylon got pushed back. So it's uh, just The Lost City and uh, Bullet Train. But when's the last time we got two Brad Pitt movies in the same year, you know? And then it's been, what, two years since Ad Astra came out? Well, yeah, well, Brad Pitt's reached that status where he can do that. But back, back like, way back, he was pumping out movies. Right, but... Nick Cage has had a 40 year long career and he has definitely like he definitely he was in the rock uh, with uh, Sean Connery and then uh, face off with John Travolta back to back years and was a huge movie star leaving Las Vegas made him a movie star. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, like he just keeps making weird fucking movies. It's the most insane. I love him. I kind of think he's a genius. Like, I think people like people love to. I think there's a group of people that are like, he's an idiot, or not necessarily an idiot, just or just maybe a, a, just a bad actor who overdoes it. I think he kind of knows exactly what he's doing every time, and it doesn't always work. But I do think he's like really smart about it, and it's whether or not it's good, you can't take your eyes off of it yeah which is kind of the point i 100 percent agree with you yeah i think nick cage knows exactly what he's doing i mean he, he's just trying to try out as many genres as he can and, and really explore and yeah sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but we're along for the ride and recently I, i've enjoyed i've seen a lot of nick i've basically seen a majority of his movies and i enjoy most of them they're great i mean some of them are bad but some of them they're still entertaining and worth watching um, right. His, he always gives like a, a an over the top performance in whatever he does, and in most of his movies, and it works. Um, and I never have a problem with it. I do understand just, why people think he's like dumb or just making idiotic moves because he tends to like scream a lot in his movies and like throw tantrums and like apparently he's like crazy to work with and all that. But uh, no, I don't know. I, I respect him a lot, and I think he's a great actor. His volume regulation kills me. It's awesome. It like, it always works for me. Um, okay, so just real quick, he did in from '95 to '97. He did four movies. 
leaving or well i guess he did five but i'm not going to count one of them he did leaving las vegas then the rock then conair then face off that's all within two years right or three years i guess 95 96 97 then he follows this up with two kind of middle of the road one fantasy drama romance which is called city of angels then a detective movie called snake eyes and then his next kind of like i think biggest budget movie is eight millimeter do you know what eight millimeter is no i do not it is this is and remember this is how he follows up a four-run movie where he was like a megastar all four of those movies were big (laughs) eight millimeter he plays a private investigator who gets called by this woman whose husband dies because she found a film reel and on it was a snuff film. A do you know what a snuff film is? Yeah, this sounds like a very Nicolas Cage movie to star in. <laughs> it, it's if if you don't know and you're listening, it is basically like fucking black market porn movie that ends with somebody getting killed, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And it's you know, he's trying to find out if it's real and he's going to all of these like CD underground like cuz this is this is 90 99 it came out 98 and it so you know the internet's not really a thing as as much as it is so he is going to these like in LA like underground like porn black markets it's the weirdest shit i've ever seen yeah Joaquin Phoenix is in it but yes yeah, this was still like a a big movie like this the director made Batman Forever and Batman Rob- and Robin yeah Joel Schumacher yeah, yeah like this is like it's not like a small little indie film he did and like James Gandolfi no. in this too like big stars big director Phoenix but no right but that's not what i'm saying i'm not saying it was a small movie i'm saying it's a weird choice i guess it's a very for almost everybody involved because Joel Schumacher was not making many movies like eight millimeter when he put this one out. Mm-hmm. His movie before this was Batman and Robin. Right. Very, very different. But that's what I'm saying. Like I, I would sign on, like he probably just like saw the director and maybe like a small little plot of the script. And was like, I'm on, you know, that's crazy, man. It's just, it's one of the biggest examples to me, I think of like, what is this guy doing? Mm-hmm. You know, because like that. I think, because especially in 1999, like I think if you hear like, you know, movie star makes a movie where he's investigating a snuff film, like right now, I think that would play better because this is the kind of like true crime shit that plays well right now, especially. And but back then, it's like, wait, you're telling me the guy from The Rock who did not swear the entire movie is now going to investigate snuff films with Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> it was bizarre, man. I watched it the other day. It's it's crazy. Ah, it's so weird. You got to watch that one. Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen most of his films. I'm down. You've seen most of his films? How many how many do you think you if you go to Letterboxd right now and you like you can go to the actor page and you can see like it's it'll say like acted in or appeared in or something, it'll give you a percentage. You can click on it and it'll tell you the number of movies. Uh, I'll vamp right now. For me, it's only like it's not many. It's like fourteen or fifteen for me. But I've seen a lot of it's. I've seen pretty much every type of movie that he does. I think I've seen sixteen of his movies. 
16. And here's the thing. He's been in 125 of them. Okay, okay. So then I've seen the majority of his big films then. Sorry. But that's that's what I'm saying. Like, 16 movies is a lot. If you've seen 16 movies of somebody, you should have a pretty good gauge of who who they are. Yeah, I don't think we have any clue who Nick Cage is, and we could we could watch all we could watch a hundred, and we wouldn't have any idea. Yeah, but that's what I that's what I love about Nick Cage personally is that you never know what you're gonna get with him, which is great. It's like he's like a wild card. That's a hit yeah. or miss for him. I love him. Unbearable weight of massive talent is pretty incredible. I saw it the day after the Northman, so I got to see two really good movies in a row. I quite enjoyed it. I had a great two days at the theater. Very nice. Very the nice. North, the the Northman discourse is horrendous right now. It's a great movie. Don't listen to what people are saying on the internet. Go see it. I'll All hopefully right. see it soon. Jacob, I'll tell you one thing. I do not want to go down in history as the guy who destroyed the universe. <laughs> we are going to be right back with Dude, Where's My Car? It's Bo here to tell you about our sponsor, Album Book Club. It is a book club, but, you know, for albums. And uh, they have weekly picks that they put out on their Twitter, at Album Book Club 1. And they uh, have curators that choose picks week by week. Uh, It can range from hip-hop to bluegrass to death metal to indie to pop. It's all over the place. Uh, It's a great way to discover new music. I've been following them and working with them for quite some time. They also put out their magazines on albumbookclub.com. They just put out an issue with Osar and Paris Price. Uh, They have great merch over there. It's all great looking stuff. Um, Definitely check them out. Give the Twitter a follow. Give the page um, a look. It's great stuff. You're not going to be disappointed. Good way to discover music. Let's get back to the movie. All right, we're back, and we are searching for Jacob's car. Um, Jacob, do you want to tell us a little bit about the film Dude, Where's My Car from 2000? Yeah, well, it's it's about my life because I still don't know where my car is right now. I'm still (laughs) trying to find it. Um, There needs to be a sequel because it still hasn't been found. (laughs) Either way, uh, yeah, this movie, Dude, Where's My Car, iconic name, honestly. Uh, came out in 2000. It is a stoner comedy starring Ashton Kutcher and Sean William Scott. Um, two potheads wake up after a night of partying and cannot remember where they parked their car. Who would have guessed that's what it would have been about? Um, <laughs> directing is Danny Liner, written by Philip Stark. Um, yeah, it's starring Ashton Kutcher, Sean William Scott, Jennifer Garner. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of kind of uh, small little cameos in here, but those are, like, the big three, I would say. Um, yeah, man, Danny Liner, hell of a career. Dude, Where's My Car? And Harold and Kumar Get a White Castle, and then a bunch of TV episodes. Mm-hmm. Man, a true visionary. <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a genius in our times. Um, so, Philip Stark... Uh, uh, I'll just. I, I, first of all, I'm gonna lead off with this. I'm not reading a critic review of this movie. It's a waste of time. 
It's a fucking waste of time. Honestly, is, I think you should. This is not one. I'll 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 look. Okay, uh, here. See if I'll, I can find here, anyone. I'll read one. So oh, you have one already? Yes. So the Austin Chronicle gave it a zero out of oh, hundred. And the review is, dude, your movie sucks. Oh, it's genius. That's a great one. Um, that's the peak of film review right there, actually. I don't know why we've tried to follow that up. Yeah, you can't then. get any better than that. So That is pretty fucking funny. Um, so Philip Stark, uh, I don't know if you could tell, but he was a writer for that 70s show. And you could, it's pretty clear to me because he wrote Kelso into a movie. I mean, it's what this is, is it's we it's this guy was like, all right, I'm going to make a movie where Ashton Kutcher could just play the character that he's, you know, he's warmed up. He's been doing this guy for three years. Uh, we could throw him right in it. And then who's another hot actor right now? Oh, that Sean William Scott guy was a big hit in American Pie. We'll use him, too. Sounds about right. I mean, because, I mean, at this time, this might be Sean William Scott's peak. He did American Pie, Final Destination, Road Trip, and then Dude, Where's My Car? Like, that, that's as high as he can get, I think. Uh, yeah, sure. I can say that. Uh, uh, Ice Age 2, what he was, Crash? <laughs> we can't, is that? Maybe Goon? He's a bit part in Goon? I mean... After, it's either that or when he plays – it might be when he plays the petting zoo, uh, the boss of the petting zoo, the, the donkey watcher at uh, in fucking Wedding Crashers. Or uh, old school, sorry. Not Wedding Crashers. Dude, you took that in the throat. Hit it right in your jugular. Yeah, he definitely oh. plays the, the bro character very well. Yeah, man. He, just, he does bit, – he's bit parts after – uh, this movie and the next he does the next few American Pie movies but he's not really a star of anything again mm-hmm. so I'm definitely willing to say this is his peak uh, it's amazing because it, this gets Sean William Scott on the real downswing but Ashton Kutcher and Jennifer Gardner are on their way up just like this is such a blip on their radar it's insane yeah it really seems like they kind of just made this movie for fun it's like oh stoner comedy about missing car I'm in yeah and you know Ashton Kutcher did not want to do this movie, which does not surprise me. I think he was like, I already play this exact character on TV once a week. I do not need to do this movie. But then apparently he read the script and the you got a tattoo scene. He could not stop laughing and he took the part, (laughs) which to be fair is stupid as shit. But it's one of the funniest parts of the movie. I mean, the whole movie is so freaking stupid. It is so dumb. So stupid. Um but yeah, sometimes stupid is just funny, man. Right, that's what makes this movie work. And like, I think it's kind of, I'm 100% willing to say it is a perfect movie. I think it is about Whoa. as perfect, no, for the genre, it's a perfect movie. Not Obviously not like a, like I don't mean like with The Godfather. Yeah, no, for what it was going for, it's definitely a great movie. Um, well, yeah, maybe I, not. I think they're, mm, never I don't mind. know. I, I don't think a lot of the jokes landed as hard as they right. used to i i'll say this at the time it was probably a perfect movie yeah i think I, so like uh so I, I mentioned this to you before we started recording the bill and ted inspiration is strong in this movie it's uh, it's almost the exact same plot pretty much 
It's two kind of loserish guys who clearly like in Bill and Ted they don't actually smoke, and I don't think they smoke on screen in this movie. I can't remember a time when they do, except for the dog. The dog's but the only that, one who which, smokes, and so. Bill and Ted doesn't have any smoking. It doesn't have allusion to it, really. They openly, or maybe it alludes to it a little bit, but they like, you know, they talk about how much they smoke in this movie, but they never actually do. And, but they're doing the thing of these two kind of loserish potheads who definitely don't have any semblance of priorities have a sci-fi adventure. And Bill and Ted, it's you know going back in time to complete a history project and for these guys it's you know getting the fucking quantum whatever the hell it was i don't even remember and saving the universe and that's i mean it's very very similar to what bill and ted is i it's it's a almost complete blatant ripoff 11 years later but i also think that's kind of fine like i'm okay with it you know like it's every generation needs one of these yeah and yeah also just like for these type of movies, it really just depends on like the stars and who's in it to like right. really make it. I think the plot it, doesn't really matter, you know. And then looking at it, just to draw another Bill and Ted uh, comparison, Keanu goes on to be this huge, just massive star, and Alex Winter, you know, he's a writer. He, he turns into a writer. Mm-hmm. He's not. Uh, a writer and like bit parts, which is kind of what the Sean William Scott bag is. He's yeah. not, uh, you know, he, he was not really acting in anything until Bill and Ted faced the music. He had done some voiceover stuff, uh, like on robot chicken and a show into called into the dark. Uh, he gets an uncredited appeared and uncredited appearance as himself. But besides that, it's voice work and writing. Yeah, they do have very similar trajectories. Which is very interesting. Um, and then I'm trying to look. I'm looking right now at uh, Bill and Ted to see. You know, they also date. I don't know if they're twins, but I know they're sisters. The princesses. Who dates them? And Bill and Ted. Oh, they oh yes. pick up the princesses from medieval times, and they're dating them. And then even Bill and Ted 2, which came out, obviously, before Dude, Where's My Car?, a very similar thing happens where like there's a big mix up and the girls get mad and break up with them and they have to do some big gesture to get them back at the end. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty blatant. The more I look at it, kind of get mad. What the fuck does shibby mean? Just to change the subject. (laughs) I was really sick of that. They were definitely trying to get like a slang thing going. Did not work. Yeah. I mean, a lot of stuff did not work in this. Well, yeah, that's not something we need to. Really do. I just, I just meant like, I hate when movies, I like like stuff, for movies can or, organically become part of the lexicon like that. It's when they're, it's trying that I'm like, all right, we're doing too much here, like they and they just really make sure to hit the nail on the head at the end with the front license plate and the back license plate of the fucking car saying shibby. Like I was like, all right, get out of here. I'm done with you now. This hour and twenty minutes has been enough. I mean, yeah, this was also 22 years ago, so we were very, very very young at that time, and we don't know what the slang or what was happening in the world. No, I promise you no one was saying shibby. Um, A little bit more about, I think, what makes this movie, the certain parts of it last, uh, besides the Bill and Ted. 
inspiration, which I think is a formula that can kind of work and play well at any time. Um, I this movie like kind of did the Hangover before the Hangover, yeah. in in the idea that it's okay. We had a wild light now a wild night last night. We got really drunk. We got you know we did a bunch of drugs. Like we can't remember what happened. And now we have to retrace our steps to find something that we misplaced. And this movie, it's a car, and the hangover, it's Doug. But it's the same thing. They both get money from a very shady place and have to find it by the end. And the person they get the money from is used as a punchline throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. I, that's that's just another comparison. I can't really. Th- I mean, no, they're very similar. There's um, t- I ha- I this going like another <laughs> wacky ad- adventure, and like it, it's dumb, it's stupid. The characters are dumb and stupid. It's just, uh, yeah, it's they're very, it's very similar, and there's definitely inspiration there. Um, it also inspired. So actually, I made a short film in college called "Dude, Where's My Socks," and if you can't tell, it is directly inspired by this film. Um, I used to watch this film all the time as a kid. It's, it was so funny to me. As a um, kid. <laughs> yeah, as a teenager. As a naughty teenager. Um, but, yeah, this is the first time I've watched it in a long time. And a lot of the stuff didn't land like it used to. Um, I don't know if that's just, like, an age thing or if just how society has progressed. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I did make a film in college called Dude Wears My Socks, which was literally the exact same thing. This guy had a, a lucky pair of socks. He went to a party got super wasted and lost the socks and he really needed those socks because that's what got him the ladies when he's wearing those socks so that's they went awesome. on a little buddy adventure to find the socks that is great um all right what we're not i, I think we, we we i think people know what doesn't work about this movie i don't think we really need to hit that it's pretty apparent what's aged poorly but what is some of the stuff that like worked for you like what bits what jokes, what quotes really stuck out to you, do you think? A lot of the, the slapstick comedy still hit. Um, right. That that always hits, though. Um, a couple of things I loved was um, in the beginning when they need to hide the pizzas, and their solution is to throw it up onto the ceiling. <laughs> it just and sticks it's there. it's coming down. Oh, look, a unicorn. Uh, sorry, it was just a horse. <laughs> it's just so stupid like the split second decisions they make it just makes me laugh every time <laughs> they threw a pizza a full pizza up into the, the ceiling just genius genius um, stuff there ashton kutcher dead going <laughs> going oh my god look at elephant and then he dead pants oh it was just the mailman like <laughs> killed me for some reason that for i will say that's probably one of the things that has aged the best. That kind of first sequence when they're still in the house yeah. is really, really good. That's where um, just such like a small little moment, but I it absolutely killed me was um, when that when the guy comes out of the closet and pees in the plant, and it's so fucking dumb and infantile, and like that I was like, oh okay, and then he goes back into the closet. Like, it's his goddamn room, and they go, see you tomorrow, Gene. Like, <laughs> I was crying laughing. <laughs> and then it's it's really is – it, it could be, you know, in other places it would be playing it up too much, but right here it's kind of perfect when <laughs> – Yeah, they just throw in, like, so many stupid bits that they're, yeah. like, they're just bound to work. They're, they're, they're so funny. <laughs> and then Ashton Kutcher is just like, 
how do you know Gene? Shalom Scott goes, I thought you knew Gene. <laughs> and they just kind of shrug and go back to watching these monkeys on Animal Planet. Yeah. Um, they're just I, like such stupid characters, and you got it right off the bat, and you just know what you're in for. Did did we accidentally win a lifetime supply of pudding last night? <laughs> he opens the cabinet. I'd say we did. Like, I'm like, what the fuck? Um, obviously, the tattoo scene is aged gloriously. Great scene. When they they what uh, Ashton Kutcher says, uh, dude, right? Or does dude this, and or sweet. Does, dude, dude and sweet. I can't remember who says who, but they almost come to blows, trying to tell each other whose tattoo says what. Um, they bring that one back around at the end as well. Uh, one thing that really got to me was the bubble wrap suits. Um, the bubble wrap suits were so fucking funny. It was so funny for literally no reason. And, like, oh my God. the best part was that they never let the joke down. Like, they, they did it once where it just, like, it kept popping every time they walk. But then it just yeah. kept going throughout the entire movie where you just always hear the pops. And the one that really killed me is when they were all, like, leaning, sitting on, like, a long bench against the wall. And they mm-hmm. all, like, sit up when they hear the news. And you just hear all the pops in a row. Go, boop, 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 boop. Oh my god. I loved uh that scene is pretty great. Is this where Zoltron hangs out? <laughs> no, it's his parents' house. <laughs> and then right after that is uh he goes Oh he goes, Hey, look at that barn or something and they get, and then the uh Sean Williams guy goes, Is it red? No. Then it's not a barn. Like <laughs> it's such a fucking stupid joke. Um the ostrich farm with Andy Dick is hilarious. Dude, Andy Dick is It's a so llama. Funny. It's a llama. Yeah, I was cracking up, dude. Um and then <laughs> the fucking Andy Dick was playing this guy Mark or something and he was like <laughs> What what does he say? He's like he's like, "Ah, trust me, I have a lot of fun to hang out with." <laughs> oh my god. Oh yeah, it's again so in weird. the uh, I can be very nice. I can be very... All right, here like, it is. Honestly, Sorry. this is very similar to like Dumb and Dumber too. I mean, it's kind of like the same, the same thing in terms of characters and just how dumb and stupid they are. Uh, like one very stupid moment which I loved is when um, they were trapped in that in that farm and they had a chance to escape by taking the fire hydrant off the wall and like hitting the. That was the, the stupidest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> and I love how they they have to be silent because they can't uh, give away their plan to the guy, and right. and Kutcher is mimicking to Sean William Scott, like, take it off the wall and hit him. And he acknowledges what it was and just nods and smiles. He's like, yeah, that's a good idea. And then just goes back to looking away. And it killed me. It killed me. Oh, my God. Uh, sorry, I, this is the thing with Mark that I that I love right here. When uh, the French guy goes, all right, here it is. I'm going to ask you a question. If you get it right, I will set you free. If you get it wrong, then you will spin- be spending a lot of time with the and then he goes, ever popular Mark. And then Mark goes, I can be very nice. Andy Dick, just the way he delivers that line. And then he says, don't hose me. Maybe later. <laughs> yeah, nice little Connecticut joke in there, too. And he said it's from oh, Connecticut. Well, the best Connecticut joke or no, sorry, it's not a Connecticut joke. It's uh, this weird, just randomly thrown in New Jersey joke, when one of the like fucking Nordic aliens goes. It's such a quiet line too, because there's action going on around it. It's when the like girls all form together and are getting bigger, 
and the guy says it as he's being like thrown to the side and knocked out. He goes, we will now use the power of the continuum transfunctioner to banish you to Hoboken, New Jersey. And I was like, why is this in here? Like that's such a weird like line to throw in there. <laughs> like, they just threw in so much little shit like that, and it, and it gets you. It's just bound to get you. Yeah, if not for like, like you kind of you should come to expect it, but then and then there's like just some random fucking throwaway line that's so goddamn dumb, like that New Jersey joke, but it gets you. Um, so one of the things that I loved, one of the jokes that I have on here, is, <laughs> um, when the kid is like. Uh, after the this is how all blind people shake hands when he's talking to the the girl the the alien hot chicks <laughs> and then the twins walk up to him and he goes I was just reading excuse me I need to be alone for a while <laughs> um the we there's a weird Fabio ca- ca- cameo yep. I think that I remember. I can very clearly remember in the early two thousands, Fabio being a very common punchline, which is oh, very yeah. strange. Um, God damn, I'm trying. I'm going through my list right here. Oh, when they get thrown. Okay, so first of all, the scene when they're trying to get all of the trash in one trip. I was like, okay, yeah, this is like a really like obviously it's over the top, but like you know, I'm bringing in the groceries in one trip. You know, I'm getting all this shit that I need to get. I'm not going back. Um, and then obviously they fuck it up and they get thrown into the house and then Ashton Kutcher just very seriously delivers the line, three words, anger, manage, mint. And I laughed my ass off. (laughs) Um, God. And then there's that very weird scene where like, (laughs) where Ashton Kutcher's like, oh, I do have to go to the bathroom. And Sean William Scott goes, I know your body. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Also, when Sean William Scott is stuck on in the uh, I don't even know what you call it—the slider where you slide in money from a convenience store—and um, his hand gets stuck in there when he's trying to grab the leg. Oh yeah. And when he goes, "Dude, I'm stuck," and Ashton Kutcher's immediate response is to tickle him. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. So it's just a little like one minute tickling scene and then it just goes back to the plot. Uh the cop the woman who played the cop in that scene was really going for it. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna cut off your hand and she just starts laughing like a psycho. <laughs> like I, what direction did she get for that scene? <laughs> what direction did anybody get here? Um They all I, seem to be having like so much fun with this movie. There's not as much of this as I thought it would, there would be, honestly. Like, after the first one, we when I heard Mr. Pizzacoli, I was like, please keep up this bit of just the obvious names. And the only other one they really do it to is Christy Swanson when she gets Christy Boner. Mm-hmm. Just the very clever name right there, Christy Boner. <laughs> it's just funny, man. It's just funny. Uh, yeah, man. And – uh Christy Swanson was like kind of a movie star. Like she was in a lot of shit, dude. She was Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the first one, mm-hmm. and the, when it was the movie. Like, you know, she was in, she was in some stuff, and then she's in <laughs> Bill and Ted, or not Bill and Ted. It might as well be. She's and then she's in Dude, Where's My Car? Like that's fucking amazing. Yeah, it really is. She could have had a bigger career. I think it kind of peaks at. Big Daddy. I wouldn't call Dude Where's My Car the peak. 
Yeah, she also in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, too. She is, but uh, she's the girl. Isn't she the girl who's like, and then Adam told me that what's his name's sister said right. it's that she's that girl, right? Yeah, I think so. That's uh, that's pre Buffy. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I bet she is pissed they didn't do the Buffy show with her because like five years, like three, four years later, five years later. They do Buffy the Vampire Slayer with Sarah Michelle Gellar. And she's like, if they make that show four years earlier, I am a much bigger star. Than, like, if they make that show four years earlier, I don't have to do Dude, Where's My Car? <laughs> and get called Christy Boner. Oh, she was probably so in on it. She probably loved it. Um, The music video is fucking hilarious. The random music video in the middle of everything. is yeah. It was pretty genius. Like, Just throw I'm, it in there willing to say that is genius holy shit um i was i was genuinely crying laughing and at the jumpsuits everything was so perfect about it it was very accurate oh my god this movie also has like a lot like a lot of like christy swanson type people who are like you know oh that guy from that thing you know like uh david herman is definitely that kind of guy he's in a bunch of dumb movies like that. He's in Office Space and Idiocracy. And then um, Charlie O'Donnell was kind of like a quintessential, like at this time, like uh, a big kind of jockish douchebag, you know? He, like, it's almost the exact. He's, he's the character he was in Cruel Intentions, but stupider. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, everyone's playing a stupid character in this. Right. There's no smart people in this movie. No. Like, you think the twins might be, but they're fucking idiots, too. No, everyone is. It's like a dumb world. Oh, my God. It is the dumbest of worlds. Um, one thing that I noticed, and I have, I imagine I am, like, one of five people in the world who notices this thing. Uh, Hal Sparks is the guy who plays Zoltan. He's the guy in the elevator... In Spider-Man 2, who compliments Tobey Maguire's suit. Yeah, you would be the only one to know that. I, I was like, holy shit, that's that guy. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, my God. What's yeah. a bigger peak? Dude, where's my car being in that shot with Tobey Maguire? What's going to live on longer? I would say the Tobey Maguire thing. Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, one more one more guy that I uh, I, I love – uh, who does these little bit parts was uh, Bob Clendenin. He's the bald guy in the passenger seat when they get snatched by the Z- the Zoltron Zoltan cult. Yeah, <laughs> he's uh, from Scrubs and he's in a couple episodes of that '70s show and Cougar Town. And that guy is funny in everything he does. Yeah, and same with um, I think her name was Zalmina Marilyn, um, who's in It's Always Sunny. She she plays. Oh yeah. Role. Oh, yeah, she's in a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, she was just in the Tomorrow War. Wow. Look at her. Wow. Maybe the second biggest start or third biggest after Jennifer Gardner to come out of this movie. I can't, I can't really think of another one. James Vincent? No. No. He's in some stuff. I mean, yeah, it was just like a, a full of like these small actors and actresses. <sighs> yeah, so... I love this movie. Did the the 2000s thing that I love when they're doing the blooper reel during the credits. I, I yep. love that. Like this movie did look that that was the thing that I 
wanted to kind of end this on is that it looked like it was one of the most fun things to make ever because I everybody knew what this was going exactly into it. yeah um, yeah it just seemed like a great time making this movie and you have fun with them the entire time so it benefits both people um, I also felt especially towards the beginning it was I think it was on purpose it felt like a sitcom. Like, especially with the, the yeah. opening titles and, like, the silly sound effects they threw in there, here and there. The way it was shot. Um, it felt very similar to a sitcom. Like, oh, here we are at this location. All right, let's go on to the next location. Let's introduce the characters. Well, um, I mean, you know, it's it was written by the guy who w- was one of the writers on that 70s show. Yeah. Um, so it makes sense, but it was, it was interesting. Oh, my God. The film's story came from a rejected live-action Beavis and Butthead. This story, yes. Came yeah, I mean, just as dumb. Beavis and butt- Butthead. <sighs> wow. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, we, there's not much to go in depth from this movie. It's, it's very, very no. surface layer. Um, it's just two dumb dudes, and we watch them as they find their car. Yeah, man. I'm it trying is, to think of. They're one of the peak stoner comedies out there. Um, watching it sober was quite the experience. But <laughs> I think, I still think, as like a, a teenager, uh, like discovering this movie, I still think it would hit them pretty hard. Oh, this is definitely, well, I won't say timeless. It is very stuck in the early 2000s, late 90s. Yeah. But the best parts of this movie, which I would say there is more good than bad. Yes. Um, definitely translates. I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we do we do a dude? Where's my car? Too like we just got another Bill and Ted. It would be funny if all the actors returned to do a second one. That's what I, I'm saying. We get Ashton Kutcher, Sean William Scott. He's not doing much right now. He's definitely on board. Yeah, I mean, I'd be down if it was done properly. I mean, like, and then like you literally can just do the fucking. I mean, Bill and Ted face the music is the same is the same as Bill and Ted's Exo Adventure, and I kind of love that movie. Um, yeah, you can do like what Wet Hot American Summer did, where they they rebooted it, but they made it a prequel, even though everyone was so much older. Do one of those. <laughs> um, Genius. You can do that, or you can literally just be like the same groups of people like they're like literally like the same groups of people going after something that isn't the continuum transponder mm-hmm. but something like it and then like instead like have them look for a c- the car again like maybe this time the car is the thing that everyone's looking for like something like that yeah i also loved how in this movie um the green screen effects were like pretty bad but it, it made it funnier and i think they did that, that on purpose entirely on purpose this is supposed to look as b movie as it gets yeah um, um, it would be interesting to see the effects that we have today what they would do let's see uh here's the zoltan quote that i think i liked the most we'll travel through space with cool aliens who like us <laughs> they thought oh my god um yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just scrolling through the quotes right now, and there's there's not much else. I think we've kind of hit everything. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is peak stoner comedy. Um, it definitely was a moment in 
movie history. Oh, okay, wait. I do have one more that made me laugh really fucking hard. This maybe might honestly be the stupidest thing in the movie. When they are in the police station and the guy puts on the boxing gloves like he's about to fuck the two of them up and then starts beating the shit out of that doll and, like, putting cigarettes out on it. It's the dumbest thing ever. And then Sean William Scott leans across Ashton Kutcher and goes, Hang in there, buddy! (laughs) Like, (laughs) what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, that was a great scene. Oh, my God. It's so dumb. I want to try that tactic. (laughs) Beat the shit out of an inanimate object and see if you can get somebody to give you some info. Yeah, see what happens. Oh, my God. (sighs) All right. I don't have anything else. We did 30 minutes on Dude, Where's My Car? It's about as much as you're going to get. Out of an hour and 20 minute long movie, this is all of the content that we can suck out of it. Not to disparage it. Again, once again, I like this movie. I think it's really funny. Yeah. Definitely but didn't not, hold up as much, but still, no. a, still a great film. Not much here. Not a lot of stuff going on. All right. In other news, other business to take care of, we don't really have a May month theme, I don't think. We were thinking about doing animation. I think I floated that out there. But also, at some point, I do want to do a month where you and me – each get to choose two movies each, you know? Uh, I, th- I think we've been doing this long enough that we can kind of do a, a one for us, and we, but we each get a two for us. Maybe May is the month for that. Maybe, maybe June. I don't know. We'll figure it out. One of these months, though, I think we should do We Choose, and then the other month we'll do Animation. Agreed. Um, right. Yeah. You got anything else? That's it from me. All right. Dude, there's your car. Oh, there it is.